Hello, my friends. Welcome to the FBCC Chapel Podcast. The Bible says in Psalms how God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, it is our prayer that as you listen, you be refreshed, challenged, and encouraged to be a servant for the Master. And now for today's chapel message. Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to read a very familiar, I think, portion of Scripture uh, for most of you, verses that maybe even some of you have uh, memorized, and I'm just going to focus on two points uh, here in the first few verses uh, of this chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, and I probably won't preach very long, but I do hope that the message, um, (coughs) excuse me, that you'll take it to heart and uh, just ask God to use it, um, uh, not only in your life today, but something that hopefully can be used Uh, in the future uh, as well. Proverbs chapter 3, notice verse number 1. I'm going to read from verse 1 through uh, verse number 7, then I'll pray, we'll get right into the message. So Proverbs chapter 3, notice verse number 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Notice verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Notice verse number seven, I'll read it then we'll pray. Verse number seven says this, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your grace. Once again, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to worship you, to praise you, and to hear your word uh, declared. And I do pray that our hearts would be helped, that they would be challenged, that they would be encouraged. Lord, I do pray for the freshmen up to the seniors and everyone in between, that you would give grace to them to be able to take this truth and apply it to their individual lives. I pray that you would help me to take this truth and apply it to my life. And I pray that it would be something, um, Lord, that we would daily, not just know, but that daily we would practice it. Uh, Lord, once again, we pray for your blessing. We need you and we recognize that, Lord, and I pray that uh, your will would be done. We trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we look at the book of Proverbs, uh, we understand that God would use the third king, of Israel, Solomon, to pen the majority of this book. As you know, Solomon grew up in David's home, obviously a different type of situation than probably our upbringing uh, culturally and just the position that David had. But nonetheless, I mean, what an incredible, I think, opportunity uh, to have David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart, um, as your father, it may, maybe in some ways, depending on how you look at it, uh, a blessing and a cursing. Certainly there's uh, big shoes to uh, to follow. And David, of course, was not a perfect individual. Uh, but yet, as we look at the book of Proverbs, essentially Solomon is used of the Lord uh, to give a practical application to spiritual truths in our life. Uh, one person uh, referenced or described the book of Proverbs in this way. He says, the book of Proverbs is a collection of practical life wisdom given mostly in short, memorable statements. I think that's one of the appeals of it, is that you can kind of take different you know, verses, uh, and you don't necessarily need to know a lot of the context. It's just kind of succinct statements that are given about everyday situations and issues that we face. 
uh, in areas of our tongue, in areas of our friends, in areas of temptation, in areas of finances. It applies to so many different areas of life. And I think uh, I would encourage all of us to make it, if not a daily habit, a weekly habit, or at least a continual part of our daily study is to be in the book of Proverbs. We see that the book of Proverbs is unique in its structure because, again, it's a collection of individual statements with, given not really in a particular context or with much uh, organization. As we look at Solomon's life, most of you are aware of this, that you have King Saul, and that would be replaced by David, and then, of course, Solomon. Even though Solomon, again, had an incredible opportunity to grow up in David's home, we would assume that he had some experience. He probably had an incredible education. And yet, if you remember what happens when he realizes that he will be the next king of Israel, he goes to God and he says, God, I'm as a, as a little child. Now, most people think he was probably in his early 20s. But he says, I'm as a little child. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to go out. I'm, I'm going to be the leader of this incredible nation, your people. But I desperately need wisdom. And we see that God would give him that wisdom. This is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 3. And almost immediately, we see that wisdom manifested. You remember the whole baby thing, right? Well, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. And Solomon, in his wisdom, was able to discern that situation and give godly discernment and perspective into that issue. As we look at the book of Proverbs, we understand from the first chapter that the purpose of this book was to give the reader wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The word knowledge is used oftentimes as well. Knowledge is the collection of facts. Wisdom is the right use of what we know for daily living. Proverbs 1, 4 and 5 says this, to give subtlety to the simple to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Now, let me say this. There are some people that are not what the Bible would describe as rebels. They're not scorners. There's some that the book of Proverbs describes as a scorner. They laugh, they mock, they ridicule the things of God. Everything to them is just foolishness. Everything to them is just a big joke. And they become cynical towards the things of God. But that's not who it's primarily directed out. And I would encourage all of us not to grow into that. There are times that even especially with the familiarity of college, and if you've grown up in a Christian home, cynicism can be a temptation. You've heard the songs, you know the messages, you know the routines, and sometimes if we're not careful, instead of glorifying, praising, and really being surrendered to God, instead we kind of make light of it. We mock those that have a heart for God. And may by God's grace, that never be said of us. But as we think about who is the primary audience for the book of Proverbs, it's the simple one. It's not the scorner. It's not the mocker. It's not the one that is, again, cynical towards the things of God. But it's the one that seems to not have much, uh, maybe, solidarity. It's the person that is easily persuaded. If there are maybe around good influences, they tend to be a good person. If they're around negative influences, they, they tend to be kind of a, a, a negative or a carnal person. You get the idea, right? It's, it's just kind of depending on who they're around. There's no sense of personal, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love, I'm going to follow. It's just whether, just depending on the environment that they're in, they can go one way or the other. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of Christians are. It's not that they're rebels. 
It's not saying, oh, that's what God wants me to do? I'm like Jonah. I'm going in the opposite direction. That's, that's not usually what takes place. A lot of times it's that we, if we're in a Christian environment, we like Christian things. If we're not in a Christian environment, we can be persuaded to be someone that's foolish, someone that is a rebel. And what we realize is that this book is intended to take that simple one and say, certainly don't be influenced by the scorner. Don't live a life of foolishness, but live a life of wisdom and live a life that would be pleasing to God. And so the intention of the book of Proverbs is to give knowledge, discretion, that when we come across a scorner, it's, hmm, I'm not going to be around that person. If sinners entice me, consent thou not, right? I'm not going to open myself up to their influence. Instead, I'm going to follow in the right path and do the right thing. This is the intention of the book of Proverbs. As we come to chapter 3, again, what we notice is that Solomon is continuing to speak into the life of his son, more than likely Rehoboam, though he had many children, but more than likely Rehoboam, and he's going to give him some, again, just practical wisdom for his, just his daily life. The title of the sermon is Classes We Never Graduate From. Now, I know no one is like this, but I remember back, back in my day when I was in college, that there were certain classes where it seemed like the, the, the clock went backwards. You ever had, I'm sure no, no classes like that. And it's like, my goodness. And your eyes just kind of glaze over and you're thinking, man, when will this class be done? Maybe because the, the subject, uh, you know, that was, it's just not something you're interested in. Maybe the teacher wasn't engaged. Whatever the reason was, uh, maybe you're just having an off semester or an off life or an off year or whatever it was. It's just like, man, I cannot wait till this is over. Uh, now, I would caution you if every class is like that, and that might be something to, to take a little bit of an introspective evaluation and say, God, what's, what's wrong here? But we are all get to that place, right? Uh, there might be some of you that think, okay, last semester, and, and I think teachers are this way, uh, that once December, the first week in December, especially that second week in December, when you're ready to be out, guarantee you the teachers are ready to be out, right? I mean, there's just that anticipation. You want to be with friends, with family. You want to have a time that you can just kind of whew, relax and enjoy yourself, sleep in and sleep in and sleep in. Can I get a name in there? Right, that'll, that'll eventually come when this semester is over. But that's anticipation. You're looking forward to something ending and moving on. Well, some of you are in your senior year, right? I mean, there is a a big kind of departure that is about to take place. I mean, you're moving on to the next step. And I think Brother Torres had mentioned this idea of senioritis, that sometimes our body is, is here, but our mind is there, and our heart is God knows where. I mean, where it is all over the place, right? But the idea is that, hey, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in college, and, and this is where God wants me to be, but I'm really anticipating. And I think that's somewhat natural and something that we should try to combat but yet it's something that is natural. It's something that we anticipate graduating from, taking that tassel, moving it to the other side, moving from one particular stage or season of our life and then going on to the next. And much of life is like that. I mean, even if you look back to high school or junior high and then you get into high school and then high school to college and as you continue to progress, you'll notice that there can always be kind of this anticipation to get to the next step. Well, as we look at this chapter here in Proverbs, 
There are certain classes, if you will, there are certain seasons of life in which we never graduate from. It's not as if, okay, if you're taking whatever, pre-algebra, that you are done with that and you move on to algebra. It's like, why would I go back and take pre-algebra from already in algebra? And you get the idea that that doesn't make any sense. I've graduated from that. I've passed that. I've moved on from that, right? But there's certain things in life that that's never the case. It's something that we continually revisit that class. We continually are in that particular season of life that we are in the classroom with pen and paper or our keyboard writing down notes as we're going through this Christian journey, realizing, please don't miss this, that we will never move on from it. It might look different. It might feel different. The circumstances that we may, may face uh, they might be things that we hadn't faced previously, and it might have, a, again, a different appearance. But it's not as if we're done with that, and we move on from that, and life will no longer you know, have its challenges, or there are things that no longer do I need to learn. There are classes, if you will, that we never graduate from. I'm going to share just two. I think there's two others that are found in this chapter, but I'm going to share just uh, two this morning. First one is we will never graduate from the class of learning truth. We will never graduate from the class of learning truth. Now, no matter what path God has you to go on, Truth is constantly an area of our life that we are constantly growing in. We see that Solomon begins to describe the words of God and the importance that they must have in a person's life. Notice he talks about in verse number one, my son, forget not my law. This is probably a reference to Deuteronomy 17. If you read Deuteronomy 17, it gives instructions specifically to the king of Israel. And in that, he says, I don't want you to multiply horses. I don't want you to multiply wives. And I want to make sure that you have your own personal copy of God's word and you need to read it daily, right? That was instruction for the kings of Israel. It wasn't like I'm king, the priests and scribes, they, they study the Bible, but I'm the king. I just do governmental things. No, 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 no. God wanted the word of God to continually be a part of the king's life. And Solomon recognized that and he wanted his son to recognize that. He says, let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life. Notice verse number three, again, more than likely a reference back to God's word, mercy and truth forsake thee. Do not let mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them on the table of thine heart. Different words that are given to God's word is truth. Truth is something certain. Truth brings stability. Listen, my friend, we constantly need stability, something that will ground us in our life. Give us a clear and right perspective to look at the many different influences that will come and the voices that we will hear. I remember, I think it was on YouTube or maybe Facebook a while back that there was a preacher in the United States that was giving an illustration and he had different groups kind of set up throughout this pretty good size auditorium. And he had different people represent different voices in our life. Well, one of them was in one individual at the back of the auditorium that was the voice of God. And he constantly called out saying, hey, so-and-so, follow me, follow me. And no one else was speaking, no one else was talking. And it was very clear. 
And you could hear this individual in a massive auditorium say, come follow me, come follow me, do my will. And God's voice was very, very apparent. Well, then he had the, you know, social media and a group would represent social media and they would start saying, you know, whatever. And their voice would begin to talk. And then he would say, person in the back, he said, you know, say, you know, come follow me, you know, do my will, be, be God's voice. And you could still discern God's voice, but it was a little bit harder. Why? We had somebody else speaking, right? And then he began to have four or five other groups. And eventually it was almost as if God's voice was almost entirely drowned out by the other voices. And if we're not careful, that can happen to us. That even in an environment like Bible college, that even though we're hearing constantly the word of God, we become so familiar with it. And there's even things that we look at and we think, I've heard that. I know that. I've been taught that before. But Peter reminds us in his epistle that he's going to write to a church that already knew the truth. Jude says the very same thing. You know this, but I'm not afraid to tell you again. Paul says that in Philippians. He says, I'm not embarrassed by this. Some people might think, okay, he's getting a little bit repetitive. Paul, you've told this, or you know, you got a little dementia going on. What's happening here? He says, no, no, no. I know I've told you this before, but I'm not ashamed to tell it to you again. There is truth that we need to constantly be reminded of. And may we never think that once we graduate college, oh, I no longer have to study. You don't have to study for a test, but don't miss this. Study never ceases. Please, if your heart is inclined to think that once I graduate, then I just do ministry, but never do I really have to study the word of God, your mindset needs to come back to a place to say, I never graduate from that. And even as maybe a senior, you might be thinking, well, I've come to the close or the end and most of the things are, you know, things I've heard and messages that I'll hear in chapel or messages that I've heard before. But may our heart posture be, God, I never graduate from this. I need truth. Mercy is God's goodness and his kindness. Comes from that Hebrew word, hased. The law is the instruction, the Mosaic law, the commandments, the precepts. What we must do is that we must learn the word of God. Here, Solomon says, forget not. Don't be oblivious to my word. And again, it's amazing to me how there's so much truth that probably has been given and yet how much of it I'm oblivious to. There's so many times I've read a passage in the scriptures and then I come back maybe, you know, a few weeks or months later and read it again thinking, man, I, I don't remember reading this. And sometimes our hearts and our minds are not engaged with the truth and we have to ask God for that desire to say, if my desire is not to know the truth, to know the God that gave me this truth, Lord, work in me to will and to do. And if we ever begin to be tempted to think, well, once I graduate or once I get past this class or once I get to this, and then I can just kind of ah, check out and I never have to be engaged with the truth. No, my friend, we never graduate from the class of learning truth. We're not just to learn the truth, but notice we see in verse one and two, he says, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Notice for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. He says, bind them in verse three about thy neck and write them upon the table of thine heart. There is supposed to be a heart connection to the word of God. And what does that imply? Well, it's not to be just something, oh, I know. 
I know that. I've heard that. I passed that test. I, in fact, got an A plus in that, in that class. It's not that. It's okay. I learned that, and thank God I did, but how am I living it? And that's where I find the most difficulty in my life is that, yes, I love in, 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 in to, to acknowledge truth and to learn the truth, but is that affecting me? So when I learn something in chapel or in a class and I think, hey, I did really good on that quiz or I did really good on that test, that w- w- whatever was conveyed, are we taking that and saying, yes, I learned it, and look at how it's impacted me. I'm a different person. When I go back home at the end of the semester, my parents are going to think, hey, there's some spiritual maturity to you. The, my friends will look and think, hey, he's not a perfect person, but you can, I can discern some growth. That ought to be the case that it's not just I have a degree on the wall or I've maybe passed a particular class or I've gone into second, third, or fourth year, whatever stage of life you're at, but that I am actually living. It's a heart idea. Not only that, we see that it's let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them on the table of thine heart. Again, I think it's this idea that it's to be personal. The first thing that we must realize is that we will never graduate from the class of learning truth. How is your desire for truth? I would encourage you again to be introspective and more importantly, Holy Spirit uh, asking him to, to show. Is there a sense that classes or devotions are just obligatory? If I want to pass, then I have to get this grade. And I know, again, sometimes our, our, our mind, our heart gets there, but that, not, that ought not to be the pattern. The idea should be not every class I enjoy, but not every class is boring. Not every time I read the word of God, it's, this is incredible. But not every time I read the the word of God, it's like, thank goodness that's over. Not every sermon on Sunday is going to be just that sermon that changes your life, right? You think about meals. Now, if I was to say, what is your top three meals in your life? My wife and I, we went on a vacation two years ago, three years ago. And we picked out this restaurant that we read about online. And it looked really super nice. It was kind of one of those contemporary elevated places. It was in this old kind of greenhouse. It was in Amsterdam. And we were really excited. We had that. We had reservations. We got there and we're like, oh, it's one of those places you kind of feel a little bit intimidated going into because it's pretty classy. It's one of those open kitchen concepts. And it's actually a five, it was a five course meal. And it's one of those places that it's kind of small plates. It's like, okay, where's the rest of it? But when you try it, it's like, and I remember after that meal, I told my wife, you know, and I'm not sure how well aware you are of the, like the Michelin star rankings, but there's Michelin star restaurants and actually Canada just last year, the year before got Michelin star restaurants in Toronto and throughout Canada, which they didn't have before. Anyways, I I asked my wife, how good, and we'd always thought, man, we should go to a Michelin star restaurant. That'd be so cool. And uh, and all those things. And, but after we got done eating that restaurant, at that restaurant, I said, how could this place not have a Michelin star? I mean, this is like, how could food get better than this? Well, we Googled it afterwards, and it actually, to our surprise, had a Michelin star. And it was a meal that it's like, like, I will never forget. Like, it is it just the presentation, the atmosphere, just the, the taste. It is just like mind-blowingly good. But is that every meal? No, right? That's not life. If you're eating at Michelin star restaurants every day, tell me your secret. It's probably more than just the fact you're not paying your school bill, but tell me your secret, 
right? I mean, that's not life. At least is maybe for the one percenters of the world, but for the average folk like us, that's not life. It's, you know, rice and beans. It's chicken and pork. It's just the common everyday meals that we eat. And there is times, right, that we're going to get something from the Word of God where it's like, <laughs> remember I was in that youth conference and God really convicted me? Remember that was a chapel message or a sermon or just my, in my personal devotions? It's like, boom, I will never forget this, right? But there's times it's just, hey, this is what I need. I am not alive right now because of the Michelin star restaurant that I ate at two years ago. I'm alive because every single day, whatever it is, good meals, sometimes average meals, I just eat. And that helps sustain me. There might be times like that for you. But in that, there should be a desire for it, right? One of the things that you'll notice as people begin to get closer and closer to death physically, you know what goes? Their appetites. Their appetites for food. And when you find somebody, not to be morbid, in your world that they begin to lose an appetite for food, usually that person does not live very much longer. How is our appetite for God's word? How is our appetite for the truth? If we ever are deceived into thinking that we graduate from learning truth, we are greatly deceived. We need God's truth. Secondly and lastly, we will never graduate from the class of trusting. Not only God's truth, but trusting. Verses that we know, verses that we've memorized, verses that, again, maybe are even our life verses. Look at verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, <clears throat> excuse me, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Most of us understand that faith and trusting are one of the foundational aspects of the Christian life. Hebrews, the author says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We will never get to the place that we graduate from having to trust in God. One of the wonderful things about Bible college, if you allow it, is that it puts us in an environment and almost forces us to trust God. It's not, it's not the same for each person. Some, for, some of you, it might be financially, right? That before, maybe you didn't have to worry about it, but now it's like, now I, have, I actually have bills to pay. I actually have to do this. I actually am, am obligated to provide in this way. And before it was like, doesn't mom and dad always take care of that? And now that's an area that you're gonna have to look to God and probably get a job, but look to God and say, God, I'm trusting you in this, right? I'm believing in you. For some of you, it might be academically. There might be things that you're stretched and you think, God, I need your help in this. For some of you, it just might be the schedule. For some of you, it might be the, just the day-to-day -day grind of not feeling overwhelmed and not feeling like, you know, this is, this is too much. <clears throat> for us, for some of you, it might be getting out of your comfort zone. And let me say this, that's sometimes what we resist. If you feel like you have it all together all the time, can I say this, maybe my own opinion, you might not be doing it right. Because when God is working in our lives, whether it's our own self-doubt, whether it's a ministry obligation, whether it's financial, whatever it is, 
there's areas that we have to look to God and say, okay, I need you, God. I, I, I trust you. We will never graduate and get to the place where we say, God, I appreciate your help through this first semester. I appreciate your help through my first you know, two years or a year. But now I got it from here. I can take off you know, the training wheels and I'm heading down the road all by myself. That nev- we never get to that place. And one of the things that we have to realize, and I think people that have recently graduated and maybe folks that have been out of college for a while, what they realize <clears throat> that when they get in ministry is they realize, wow, this isn't just a Bible college thing where I have to trust God. I need to trust God on a daily basis. Warren Wearsby says this about having confidence or trusting in God. He says the word, the word translated trust in verse 5 means to lie helpless face down. It pictures a servant waiting for the master's command and readiness to obey or a defeated soldier yielding himself to the conquering general. We see that there's going to be problems, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be situations, and that we as believers, just in the daily living of our lives, must trust God. As we look here again in verse 5, it says, lean not unto thine own understanding. That word understanding means discernment, our own knowledge. We all have some form of experience, discernment, knowledge of a situation, perspective of our situation. But what we have to do is say, God, I don't want to trust my own discernment and my own knowledge. God, I want to look into your word and be guided by you and to not lean or trust in my own understanding, but to lean upon and trust in you. Proverbs 28, 26 says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely shall be delivered. Psalm 20 and verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Brother Torah has preached from Chronicles. And you remember that David numbered the people, right? Well, if you look back to the book of Numbers, didn't they? They numbered the people, but what was that? That was ordered by God, as Brother Torah has brought up. Well, the idea was that when you think about the kings, what would be a temptation for them? Well, if we're going to go to battle, what do I need to know? How many soldiers do I have? Why? Because where is my confidence going to lie? It's going to lie in the horses and chariots that we have. Because if you have an army that's double the size of ours, there might be some problems. So what is the temptation? Here's my horse. Here's my chariot. I'm going to rely upon that as opposed to looking to God. Now, don't miss this. In battle, would God typically use the horse and the chariots as Israel fought against their enemies? Yes, but that's not where their confidence was to lie. And don't miss this. Everyone has a horse and everyone has a chariot. For some of you, it's your talent. For some of you, it's your personality. For some of you, it's just this area of comfort that you've been able to to be in. We all have it. Right? I have it. You have it. It's not exclusive to just just certain individuals. There's something that a knee-jerk reaction brings us back and says, well, this is my horse and chariot. I'll just trust that right now. And what God wants us to do is to say, no, don't look to your abilities and your talents and I've got this and I've been in Christianity for so long and I kind of know how this thing works. No, don't use your own discernment. Look unto God daily. And trust him. 
Lean upon him. Have faith in him. What does the future hold? Don't know, but I know who holds my future. What does the next year hold? I don't know, but I know my God. Trust in Jesus Christ and understand that, okay, you face a giant, you face a difficulty, you face a valley, you face a hardship, you trust in God and you think, so glad that's done. There's another one coming. And that's a daily thing. It's not just the big issues of life. It's the daily situations and circumstances. And we're all prone to lean onto our own discernment, our own experience, our own education, as opposed to leaning on God. As we think about what Proverbs is declaring and what Solomon is teaching his son, we see that he is teaching us that we will never graduate from the class of learning truth. I hope that's our heart. I hope that we not look at certain areas of life and just say, I know that. I've passed that. But that there's a heart posture that says, God, I, I, I hope I've grown in my knowledge and my understanding. But not only do I want to continue to grow, but I want to live this out. And not only that, that we would look at our lives and look at this year and look at today and this week and say, there's not this pie in the sky, you know, anticipated everything is perfect and I never have problems or difficulties and I never need to trust God. No, there's always going to be things. There's always going to be situations. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be internal struggles that we face. We're human. But yet we have a God that we can lean on and trust in and place our faith in. May we recognize that there are certain classes that we never graduate from. Father, thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the practicality of your word. I pray that you would help the students. Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, I pray that you would help them to be able to look at their daily life and say, Lord, help. Help me never to get to the place where I feel like I've graduated from learning truth and understanding you in a deeper and a greater way. And I pray that you would help each and every person to be able to pray and say that they desire to never think that they get beyond the place of daily trusting you. Help us with that. God, we're weak. We are frail. We have a tendency to trust our own, uh, our own designs or our own plans or our own wisdom. And I pray that we not do that. Give us that grace, Lord. We love you. We trust you. Thank you for joining us on today's Chapel Podcast. We hope it was an encouragement and a help to you. If you have any questions or are interested in knowing more about our college, feel free to contact us through our website, fbccanada.org, or on any of our social media platforms. And as always, may Christ be lifted up, God be glorified, and servants be trained for the Master's plan. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful day.